Welcome to our first Tusker Talk podcast. It's the first in a series of podcasts about all the great things going on in the Somers schools. I'm Amanda Bergen, the district's communications coordinator. Today we're talking technology, specifically how our students are using technology in school and how it's helping them to learn. Superintendent Ray Blanche is here to talk about that, along with our Director of Innovations and Learning, Kevin Guidotti. Thanks, Amanda, for inviting myself and Kevin here today. Really excited about our first session here on uh, Tusker Talk being about technology and what it's doing for our kids. Uh, Before I kind of ask Kevin to jump in here, one of the things that I hope the community is seeing uh, across all of our schools is the idea about learner engagement. We have been, for the last number of years, focusing and aligning resources to increase overall student engagement, learner engagement, and specifically in three areas of learner engagement we're looking at. So one of those is the behavioral engagement, basically our students coming to school, how they participate in the classes that they're involved in with their students. Another one is a social engagement. Do I have a relationship here in the school with hopefully friends and staff members and teams and different clubs and things they may have there? And then also this idea about cognitively engagement. Am am I here? Am I interested in learning what I'm supposed to be learning in this content area or this grade level? Um, And so that group of all three of those is something we believe we need to spend time focusing in on. So you will see a whole myriad of different things that we're doing to improve our ability to engage our students across the levels. Now, Kevin's going to speak a little bit today about how technology is helping us increase engagement in those different areas. So maybe I'll just kick it over to Kevin and thinking a little bit about how technology is helping us move learner engagement forward. Sure. Thanks, Ray. And one of the things we think about with technology is uh, to what extent does technology reinforce good educational practices and complement good educational practices in the classroom? So when Ray, when you talk about uh, learner engagement from a cognitive uh, area and a behavioral area and a social area, we look to implement technology that supports that as well in a digital platform. So one of the things we're excited to have released this year is a learning management system a uh, learning management system is a way to engage students in learning, um, both with their peers, uh, with their teachers, and with the, the school community at large in ways that support good communication skills, the ways that support the social-emotional development of our students, um, and then allow them to develop good personal relationships with their teachers, both within classroom and beyond the classroom walls. It also allows them to be cognitively engaged with their coursework by by having a a single place for them to access all of their course content. It helps helps them develop um, uh, organizational skills by putting all of their assignments into one place for them. It allows them to participate in discussions that are curriculum-based, but also to communicate with peers that they're involved with, with sports teams and with clubs, and, uh, and any of the different facets that really define our school community are embedded within this single platform that allows students to develop all those skills and be engaged in all areas. It's interesting, Kevin. I was at the high school the other day, and you had helped me understand, uh, really, the Schoology seems to be just doing extremely well. The kids really seem to be just glomming onto it very quickly. A uh, young man was in our humanities class, and he was working on Schoology, and I said, hey, can you help me understand what you're doing here? And he quickly showed me what he was doing. I asked him how it was going. Oh, very easy. And he showed me he was going to hand in an assignment. So he handed an assignment to the teacher. And then he also helped me understand uh, what you just spoke to, 
He's actually using his phone to do some uh, social communication, so he's sending through an app, I guess, on the phone, which is, I think, very helpful for us. We know that that's going through district kind of provider resources, which I, I think is keenly helpful. It seems like that is going pretty pretty well so far. That's absolutely right. And what we're trying to do when we brought Schoology on was to find something that, that – uh, reinforces and meets the kids where they are, where their needs are for communication. We know that our students today use their phones as the primary communication uh, mechanism. And so while we do have uh, Schoology of courses available on our student-issued one-to-one tablets um, that, that all the kids have, it also pushes notifications to the student's phone. So if a teacher needs to communicate with a student, it does push a notification to their phone if they have an app. If a student wants to respond to either another peer or to a teacher, they can do that. But from a safety and security perspective, um, it also does filter those communications through our typical email filtering mechanisms so that we can ensure kind of the safety of our students um, if the need arises. Kevin, I want to back up a little bit because I think a lot of people have heard the term learning management system mm-hmm. or LMS. Can you describe in layman's terms what that is? What, it, what is the concept of a learning management system? Sure. I mean, the, the short answer to that is a learning management system is a single place that students go to receive digital content and to participate in a digital way in their learning. And so you'll, the, our learning management system within the courses, you'll see um, content being pushed out to, to students. Like whereas, assignments, like worksheets? Exactly, like assignments, whereas in the past you might have uh, copies, physical copies being made. The students all still get an individual copy that they can write on and mark up and develop those note-taking skills, um, but it is pushed out electronically. So that helps students organize. It develops all of the, the electronic and digital literacy skills that they need to be successful in the future. So you'll see assignments be pushed out. We're also uh, using our learning management system for an assessment system, or for our class tests are also given on that as well. And that's an important piece when we talk about communication and collaboration because it allows for a faster turnaround time of assessments to be graded. And what that does is it creates time within the class for students to dig into their performance on that so that they get some good, meaningful, timely feedback on what what they're learning and, and where they need a little bit more support. Does that mean that tests aren't being taken on paper anymore? No, it's not a it's not an all or nothing sort of thing. That's a great question. Um, this is something we'll, we're transitioning to over time. Um, it's just another option that teachers have in order to try to meet meet student needs where they are. Any test that's given on the the electronic platform also has the ability to be printed out, of course, for students that perhaps aren't comfortable doing that doing that online. One one thing to note on that is that the general trend in education and Somers is trying to be proactive in preparing our students for this is that. Um, our state assessments are, are going to be uh, administered online in just a few years as well. And so we're trying to align our district practices to what the state is requiring. And right now, what age groups are using Schoology? Right now, Schoology is fully deployed in grades 6 through 12, which is also where our students all are, have a one-to-one district-issued device that they're able to take home with them. So they have access at all times. You know, I think one of the things that um, certainly it's a pretty big endeavor here for us to get all you know over a thousand students on this platform. That again, a kudos to yourself and to our technology leaders at those campuses to start this pilot with this work last year, uh, because it was pretty evident as it came on board last year that this would be a very strong tool for communication with the children. Another piece that I was uh, pleasantly surprised by, but encouraged by the increased 
professional dialogue that we're seeing that, and you had mentioned at your presentation with the board the other night, not just internal communications within SOMERS, but quite frankly, internationally, some of our teachers are getting access to educators across the world through this tool. Is that, is that working? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And, and you know, global citizenship is, is one of our district goals, and that applies to both our student learners and our teacher learners. And so uh, what Schoology allows them to do is, is to connect in a professional networking sense to teachers across the world who are also, say, investigating um, international baccalaureate uh, uh, course offerings, developing courses. And what we're noticing is that it's, it's not a, uh, a one-dimensional kind of interaction that teachers are having. They're really connecting with other teachers on a personal level from across the globe and sharing resources and getting feedback on their lessons that they're developing and, and, uh, and that sort of work. So it's, it's really working quite well with that. Okay, I'm going to take us maybe a little bit kind of off, off the Schoology piece. When you were speaking there a little bit, I know you've also been involved with a new program at the high school, the International Baccalaureate Program, Sports Exercise Physiology and things. And so I, I think many times I struggle when I, when I think technology, my first draw is to a computer. And it's okay, that's technology. But boy, you're really helping us look at technology in some different ways. And I think you help bring on some different technology there. And there's maybe a grant I think we got access to. Can you speak to that a little bit about there? Yeah, we were very fortunate to be the recipient of, of some, uh, some state grant money to help support this new international baccalaureate course. Um, some of the tech, it's interesting you say that, that when we think technology, we do think computers and screens, yeah. but, yeah. but technology is becoming more and more infused in society, and we're looking to create that same environment within our classrooms. So some of the things that you'll see students participating in, in that class is um, we have a, a wide range of biometric sensors that they're using. So they're learning about how the human body works within the, the coursework, and then they're actually physically exercising in class and getting up and moving and using these biometric sensors to actually see how their uh, how their body responds and how that aligns to the content that they might be delivered through a platform like Schoology. So and that's a, one of the IB classes? That is an international baccalaureate class, yeah, yeah. correct. And I think, <clears throat> similarly, you were involved a little bit with our our um, pilot of the Project Lead the Way class on kind of that biomedical technology. I think you've got some technology also working inside of that course. Yeah, so the, uh, the Project Lead the Way course is called Principles of Biomedical Science, and uh, there are some elements in that class of, exactly as the title suggests, biomedical science, which we know is, a, is an up-and-coming field for career paths for students. Um, we're hoping over the next few years to be able to turn that, that course into a full four-year pathway that leads towards um, uh, college and career readiness in that field. There's some really interesting, exciting technology happening in that class as well. Uh, most of uh, the resources that are given are distributed online. There's some great interactive uh, tools that, t- that students are using to investigate how the human body works. Can you describe some of that? I've seen some really neat pictures with kids in that class. Can you talk about what they're doing in there? Yeah, and I know you've posted some some of those mm-hmm. photos on our Facebook page. Um, one of the things I saw just recently, uh, the students are doing a forensic investigation. Mm-hmm. So um, there, there's a, a mock uh, crime that's committed, and the students are walked through how to actually conduct a forensic investigation from the perspective of what are appropriate scientific and engineering practices to apply to a forensic investigation, um, and and how what what does the information available to you after the scene of this crime tell you about the physical state of the of the person who had the crime committed to them. What information can you glean from that, and how do you apply your knowledge of the human body to determine what 
potentially happen. Um, and that's an ongoing project throughout the year that's appropriately scaffolded. So as students learn more content about biomedical systems, um, they, they're able to get an increasingly deep understanding and, and, and be able to articulate what they think happened. It's interesting, uh, Julie Girardi had mentioned the other day, she happened to drop into that classroom and uh, talking to a student or two, and uh, their excitement level was certainly palpable, and they were talking about how engaged they were. So it kind of swings back to where we had started, where the, the kids, they loved being in that class. And it was interesting, she had talked to one of the kids and said, you know, she was a senior, and said, well, if you if this class wasn't available, what would you be doing? And she said, well, probably just taking another study hall. So just what an amazing difference from, you know, a study hall versus, wow, this amazing use of modern technology in a way that, again, I would think, oh, computers, no, we're looking at all these biometric pieces and looking at heat maps of our bodies and things. So what a great way. Absolutely. What a great way to engage the kids. And and actually that course um, and as well as some of the IB course came out of at the end of the year, I'll, I do kind of focus groups with about half of the student uh, senior body that leaves the school. So. Um, those are small groups. We go in the econ classes and talk to the children about what's working well, what worked well in our schools, K through 12, and what things would you like to see as we move forward. Strangely enough, this uh, idea about more exposure to the medical sciences is something that's been interesting and pointed the last good four or five years in the children. Very excited we were able to put that in place this year. And then, in particular, tying in that technology thread we've talked about with, with that work. So, again, coming from the children, and no surprises, uh, we were able to take roughly 40 kids. We had almost 80 kids sign up for the course. So it's definitely pretty popular. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing to mention with technology in that course, and just to follow up on your comment before, sometimes the right technology is not necessarily powered by batteries. Um, and one of the things where that particular course um, – we were very fortunate to have uh, some flexible furniture in there as well. And looking at, tech, looking at classroom furniture and classroom design and classroom environment in ways that support the, some of the new and innovative learning that's happening in the school district is important too. And that's something that's very striking to me when I walk into that classroom is just the physical space of the classroom. Yes. Can you describe it? Yeah, that, that furniture, well, it's difficult to describe because on any given day it could be different. <laughs> and I well, think the one part I like about it is it reminds me of the shop at the house. You've got power coming out of the ceiling, right? You that's right. You've got power and bring it down. So that's, that's different than any classroom, many classrooms. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we have power coming from the ceiling for students, and all the furniture is entirely flexible. So if whatever the furniture needs to do in order to support the learning for that day, it's able to do. And that's really the goal that we have in there. Every decision that we make, from a from a furniture perspective should have an educational benefit to that. Uh, in the IB classroom, the students have the furniture's on wheels. It's tables that are foldable that are on wheels. Um, but they also, and this is something you might not see right from the, the outset, but there's extensive studies done on the physical posture of the, the chairs that are used in that room. So students are learning about the benefits of good posture on your human body, and the furniture we put in that room promotes and actually kind of forces the, the, the person in the chair to sit with good posture, whether they're sitting in the front front ways or sitting uh, back ways in the chair, it helps reinforce that. And I know the teacher in that particular class, Rachel Sirwatka, is uh, is very interested in that, and she draws the students' attention to that at, at, at every time the opportunity presents itself. That's fascinating. Some of the technology, other than what we've been talking about with the Schoology, but you are certainly also intimately involved here with our makerspace at the middle school. I know we've talked about that, but maybe just a refresh on that. That team here continues to explore other ways to have 
students involved in the work in particular, I know that they had started volleying in the idea about um, connecting between different content areas. And I think there was some work within the math team, and they did a little bit of work with the Olympics and things like that last year to do some projects. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head that Makerspace is uh, is really starting to the concept of the Makerspace, which is, of course, a space where kids can come to physically build the, uh, representations of their learning. And uh, that is starting to diffuse itself out into other content areas as well. So um, math is, is, an, is, I don't want to say easy, but it's the most obvious link between yeah. the, the, the science area and the making area and that. But we're also starting to see students in humanities classes come into that makerspace. Right. Um, and the teachers that we have in there have provided some professional learning opportunities for other staff members in what I'll say might be non-conventional makerspace sort of classes. Um, and they're really uh, enjoying the opportunity to learn themselves as teachers and to, to demonstrate how they are lifelong learners to our students and to learn together how they can use some of the technology we have available to them. One, to one of the uh, examples I think about last year, which was nice because it was pretty much um, no cost. They had lots of cardboard they used in that place to build the design things. So, But I remember going in and the children were working on a ski jump. And they had to apply some of the mathematical understandings they had in their algebra class and they're walking over and things like that. So Yeah, it's a, that, that particular lesson was an application yeah. of, uh, of parabolas and doing some calculations on parabolas and yeah. how to build a ski jump to have a predictable landing spot for them. And, and that's a good point you bring up that I forgot to mention is that um, most of the materials that students use in that are sustainably sourced, meaning they are farmed from our community. So you might at any point in time go in there and see some used um, uh, two-liter soda bottles or right. two-liter or mm-hmm. liter water bottles or egg cartons, yep. I know, are some of their favorite things to have, cardboard, any of those things. So there's an embedded message underneath that about being a sustainable contributor to society yeah. as well, that those teachers are doing a great job modeling with our students. Yeah, and I, and I think you also were able to get uh, some 3D printers down there. So kids do have some pretty amazing you know, technology, as I was thinking about it. But my goodness, the 3D printer, you can think these kids can actually design and, and sketch and then fabricate something right right downstairs for some yep. of their work. And our, our middle school engineering curriculum does have uh, some elements in it where the students are all have a guaranteed experience where they're learning how to design and print on the 3D printers. But then to augment that, as they they avail themselves of the makerspace, whether during some free time they have during their school day or uh, through another class that they're working with, the 3D printers are there for them to use. There's also some uh, laser cutters down there that allow them to engrave and personalize a lot of the work that they're doing. And and I will say, you don't necessarily have to go to the makerspace to see its impact in the schools. And one of the things that I, I really love about that space is that the students, uh, well, they have an idea board in there, and, and most of the ideas when you go in there are ways to, to beautify the school, ways to help the school, and how can they use their learning of engineering and their learning of the, the tools that are in there to contribute back to our school community. So, for example, if you go into our middle school library, you'll see that there's a... Um, uh, 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 elephant rather there yeah. that was made that was made completely in there and and, um, and painted by our students and done that and, and you'll see a bunch of those sorts of examples around the, the school building and district and we're seeing that same idea happen also with our uh, our engineering spaces at the high school as well uh, students are creating furniture uh, to use in common spaces around the school and really thinking about ways to contribute to the school community. And Kevin, as we, when we started before, and I know we've just got a, kind of a few minutes left here, so thinking about how uh, this conversation here at the middle school and the high school 
I tell you, the, the engagement that you see in these classrooms when you go and you talk with the children is palpable. I mean, it is so different. And they'll talk to you about it, and they'll know exactly what to look at. And they'll, what I like about it is, and here's my next steps. Here's what I think I can do next. And here I'm working with this team. And so they're really driving that forward. So I think as, as, as a district, as we're moving forward, we know we want more of that type of experience across more of our classrooms, as well as we're starting to look more directly at this idea about project-based learning and having that more be a guaranteed experience. Because, you know, the technology here, yeah, all kids go through the technology there. We want to make sure that at the high school, not every child will take the sports exercise physiology, yet we want to make sure that they have good project-based learning experiences, hands-on, minds-on kind of experiences. So I think that I know you have lots of uh, thoughts and ideas in the hopper coming forward about how to help us uh, think about technology better. I'm glad we did actually take a moment to think about technology from maybe an atypical way you should think about that, from, you know, very just cardboard and building and furniture and, you know, maybe a 3D printer, but it's not always that laptop or that phone. And quite frankly, I think that um, that's something that we're getting more into our science classes and hopefully more into our mathematics and draw better connections in those other content areas. But again, I would say that uh, thank you uh, for your leadership and also for our teacher leaders. I know you rely heavily upon that initial group. We'll give you a good pilot, give you good feedback, what's working, what's not working, so that if we decide to move it forward, we're pretty well prepared. And if we, at times, we choose, no, that's not the right fit for us right now, we haven't gone out and, and expended a lot of unnecessary energy to make that solution happen. We've worked with your kind of pilot team. So um, so thanks again for your leadership role here and looking forward to our next time when we come back to Tusker Talk. Thank you both for being part of our inaugural episode, and there will be many more to come. And thank you all for listening. We will see you next time.